Hello, welcome to The Wallet. I'm your host, Emily Bellet, founder and CEO of Vespot, the digital community dedicated to empowering women in their financial journeys. Today, we have a special guest joining us to tackle some of the most burning questions you've had about financial advice. Are you wondering, should I work with a financial advisor? How do I find one that suits me? And how much does it actually cost? Well, you're not alone. In a sometimes complex financial landscape, managing your finances effectively is crucial and sometimes getting help and support is essential. Today's episode is all about demystifying the world of financial advice. I recently had a fascinating conversation with Karen Barrett, the founder and CEO of Unbiased, and she shared valuable insights on what you can expect from a financial advisor and how they can add value to your financial journey. During our conversation, we'll be covering some essential topics such as the role of financial advice, knowing when and at which stages should you consider working with an advisor, exploring different types of advice, and fees. Each of our financial journeys is unique, and we all need a little help along the way. But where do we find trusted advisors, and how do we know whether they'll be useful for us? And buyers does all that heavy lifting for you. Say goodbye to stressful, time-consuming vetting processes and searches. Unbiased will match you with the best advisor for you. Whether you're looking for specific financial advice or simply want to check out your options, unbiased.co.uk has all the tools you need to support you on your financial journey. This webinar complements our ongoing podcast series, Road to Wealth, a seven-episode journey where we explore the financial challenges women face throughout their lives. Topics such as death, taxes, debt, wealth and well-being, protection, investing and relationship will all be on the table. Remember that we are not certified financial advisors. Information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. Karen, we're going to talk about three main things. What's, what is a financial advisor's role? Is financial advice actually worth it? A lot of you have been asking about the fees and how can you get starting choosing an advisor? I'll make sure we have plenty of time also for, um, for questions. Um, so Karen, if we just, you know, get started, first of all, you know, what is a financial advisor's role if we start with the basics? Yeah, so a financial advisor's role really just helps people choose and manage investments, savings, pensions, mortgages, insurance products. So looking at your poll, you know, the people here are thinking about the right sort of topics, you know, retirement, taxes, things that are, you know, confusing or difficult because they keep changing. You know, the government keeps changing thresholds on ISAs and rules around taxes. You know, it, it pretty much changes all the time. And it's an advisor's job to stay up to date with that. And in the process of dealing with their clients. They understand the themes that are coming out in terms of what people need help with. And they get that experience, which you can then benefit from when you go and seek advice. Um, they also help you make decisions and, you know, be more of a money coach and life coach than you might think. It's not just about, you know, percentages and fees and rates, etc. I really, really believe it's giving people the confidence to make a plan and live the life that they want. You know, it's about how, what do you want to do in your life? Is it purchase a home, travel, family? And they will look at that over the long term and help you plan and understand where your big decision points are. So really that is, you know, in a nutshell, what a financial advisor can do. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I remember like, you know, having a first meeting with an advisor like ages ago, um, and I think that the first meeting could be a little bit overwhelming when you start digging into, into the numbers and stuff. But I love that maybe we've seen also an evolution in, in financial uh, planning and that, you know, it's becoming a lot more holistic. It's not only about financial returns. Um, Bethan actually asked me a question and she was saying, I want advice that isn't product led, but speaks to my values and ambitions uh, around my life. So can you talk a little bit about how the industry is evolving and if you feel it's addressing women's uh, specific needs and goals? Yeah, really great question. So, you know, as I've just said, financial advice is about having the life you want. Um, you know, from my own experience, preparing for uncertainty, that's actually a certainty probably going to happen, and just achieving your potential, you know, and that encapsulates more than just finances. You know, it's very closely linked. How do you have the life you want if you haven't got the funds 
to support those decisions and choices. So things like homes, children, you know, travel, work, that's all related to your personal finance situation. And it makes sense that a financial understand would financial advisor would understand that and have empathy and really want to come up with a plan that reaches those broader goals and also your matches your beliefs. You know, the question mentioned, you know, what people believe in and that sort of social impact of finances uh, people are, are more and more interested in. They don't want to do any harm through their investments. They want to do good. And I definitely think the industry is um, evolving there. I know that many investments now have scorings in terms of how green they are or the social impact. And that's something I think particularly women as a group, you know, we're bringing up the next generation and we're thinking much more around the future we really care about. Um, and re in relation to sort of the women, women's angle, women don't actually have a different financial planning need per se than men, but there are considerations. And you won't be surprised to hear that, you know, the gender pay gaps and earning potential is one of those things with women earnings of 16% less than men. Um, there's also career breaks, for example, that we have to be mindful of when we're planning um, our finances. But things are changing. You know, I've read some stats. 26% of women in the UK um, are the household breadwinner. So we're earning more as a group and that's growing. I know that by 2025, 60% of the wealth in the UK will be in the hands of women. And so this is why I'm just so glad to have people here on this webinar, webinar taking an interest in controlling, you know, their future and their destiny with their money. We can't rely on, you know, traditionally a man to be in the relationship and provide that we absolutely should be planning our own finances and lives and achieving really what we want to. Um, I, th I think that in the pandemic, there was absolutely a catalyst of where women were getting more involved in their finances, whether that be as a, as a result of budgeting. Um, and again, with the cost of living crisis and interest rates increasing, women are, are looking at the bills, the household bills and the, and the mortgage payments. And it's it, getting people interested in sort of financial planning for the longer term. Um, and that's the catalyst for it. So women, absolutely, I encourage them to take control of, of their financial planning. And it's interesting, I'm talking about financial advice. And I know at Vestpod, you do excellent work around just getting people to take control, open a savings account, open some investments, start your journey. And really financial advice is for, you know, is best for those big decisions and those complicated decisions that you can't do yourself. And if you feel that that's setting up a, an investment ISA is your complicated, then seek advice. But many people may wish to do that themselves, yet get an inheritance or be doing some tax planning and think, absolutely, this is not something I want to go through on my own. Yeah, and I actually, it's it's really interesting to, to talk about this transition between, you know, I'm getting guidance, I'm educating myself. And I know people on this webinar, you know, have done their, you know, they've done their homework, they started maybe saving or they started thinking about debt or starting thinking about investing. But I feel at some point life can get a little bit complicated. Maybe, you know, you're having a family, you're getting married. And I'd love to know, you know, how do you know when you need a financial advisor? I've read that you need a certain amount of, of money on, you know, I think even on, on your website, I think it was an article where, you know, um, someone was saying you need 30 or 40K uh, in income before you start working on an advisor, but you can read different things. So I think from the community, um, the questions were around, you know, I'm unsure about fees. I'm unsure, is it is it actually worth it? And a very interesting comment from Hayley was, there's also a little bit of imposter syndrome. So at which stage do I say, okay, you know, I've done my education, but now I feel I need I need a little bit more. And we'll, we'll talk about, you know, cost and stuff like that. But I think it's more, you know, the mindset and, and sort of the threshold at which you should get advice. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you don't want to be paying for something and not get the maximum benefit out of it. So I would say if you've got debts, you haven't got any rainy day savings fund anywhere, um, or you're not employed yet, and you're planning on being in the future, then I would wait and sort out those issues before contacting your financial advisor. Um, typically, financial advisors can help you the more money they've got, the more help they can be, because there's more parts of the financial sort of ecosystem that affect your wealth and what you've got. 
But absolutely, if you have the attitude that you are planning for the future and you want to be in a certain financial situation in the future, then you don't need anything before you go to a financial advisor. If you're looking to set up some investments and can pay in, doesn't matter if it's small amounts, but regular amounts over a period of time, or you're looking to set up your pension plan or your retirement plans, do go and talk to a financial advisor. You can have initial chats without being committed to anything. And that advisor can say to you, "Mm, actually, check back in six months or not quite yet, or do X, Y, and Z first. You know, they really do understand where they can add value. And they're not going to say, yes, come pay me money if it's not going to be right. They don't want those types of clients where, you know, they're struggling to get them to pay them the fees and there's no benefit. It just does. It doesn't work. So really, I'd say there are things you can do ahead of seeking financial advice. Um, Just in terms of the imposter syndrome, I totally get this. You know, if I was to walk into a boutique and look at dresses with no price tags on, (laughs) I myself would go, "Mm, I'm heading next door to Zara, you know, where I know I can afford it. And I think one of the biggest barriers about seeking or even asking a financial advisor what they can do is the fees. So we will talk a bit more about that. But um, I would just urge people not, not to be worried about that. You know, this is an investment in yourself. Um, and in your future financial self. Um, Some of the fees are not huge to start off with. So for example, setting up an investment ISA can cost between 300 and 500 pounds and getting the right one over a really long period of time will pay itself back. But particularly for advice around things like retire at the point of retirement or um, mortgage advice or tax advice, that advisor should be able to save you money that more than covers the fees that they're charging. Um, The other thing I I see a lot is people thinking that they need to be a lot wealthier. You know, you don't need to have masses of wealth sitting in bank accounts or, you know, live in a mansion to be for advice to be relevant to you. You need to be able to want to plan for the future. It's as simple as that. And for some people thinking, oh, I haven't done this. I've left it too late. Now's a great time to start. You know, we're not here judging people. We are encouraging people to look at their finances to make them better off. Um, and I mentioned sort of rates and percentages earlier. It really is about people wanting to do the best for themselves and their loved ones. So, you know, their partner or their children or their parents, you know, going into care homes, school fees, buying the property and living in the area that you want. They're big life decisions. They're not necessarily financial ones. And financial advisors are experienced and qualified to help you get to the point that you want to be at. So I understand the imposter syndrome, but, uh, you know, work your way through that. We've got a checklist on unbiased that says these are the questions you should ask. And actually being prepared with a little script can do wonders to just you know, say, right, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to ask and and start the communication with an advisor and have a, have a chat. Thanks. And I think that that answers part of, of lean question around, you know, we assume we learn how to pick the right advisor. What's the best way to prepare for first and subsequent meetings. And, and we'll talk, we'll talk about that, but just if we, if we take a step back and I'm say, you know, I'm, I'm ready to work with an advisor. Um, I had a comment from Rachel who said, you know, there are so many types of advisors. I have one for pensions. I have one for mortgages. I have one for insurance. And Emma is also asking, would one financial advisor cover business and personal finances or would that be two separate um, advisors? So how do you, you sort of navigate the space and try to find an advisor I guess that will cover most of your needs instead of having like, you know, a collection of uh, a collection of of experts. So the larger firms have individual advisors within them that will cover these areas of expertise. And I think you can understand that if someone's doing uh, working in areas such as taxes, it pays to really be focused on that one area because then you become such an expert and you know everything so well that the client benefits. Typically, a financial advisor will look at sort of pensions, investments, savings, all of that pot. That would be one person. And then I would say that taxes is quite separate and also mortgages. So I would absolutely not be surprised for someone to have a mortgage broker that was different to the person that was doing their financial plan and helping them with those longer terms sort of investments and pensions, etc. 
Um, but you you can choose. There's different options out there in the market. If you want someone who's going to look after everything that you have to do with finances, then find a firm that's big enough to cover that. But don't be surprised if you have different contacts um, at that firm or else find yourself your mortgage broker, speak to them every two, five years, whatever it is, and then speak to an investment advisor who's looking at sort of more, more your financial plan. Is it important to work with independent financial advisors? How do we know that, you know, they're the right person, they're certified, I'm not working with someone who's like pretending to be, a, to be an advisor because it's actually regulated? Yeah, so a lot of concern is around sort of commission bias, etc., or the fact that they're selling a product and not working on behalf yeah. of the client or, or the, the person. Independent financial advisors or IFAs, as we call them here, um, they are working wholly for you as the customer. So mm -hmm. it is advice ahead of product. So, you know, you spoke about someone earlier who wanted to ensure that they were getting advice that was right for them and not a product sale. So if you um, speak with an independent financial advisor, you can be sure that that is the case. Um, ensure that the advisor that you connect with is regulated. You can do that on the FCA website. You can put in the individual advisor's name or the firm name, and it should bring up the number and you should see them listed there. Any of the advisors you find on the unbiased website, we check it via an API in real time. So they will always be regulated and you can trust that any advisor that you find on the website, our platform will be regulated. Let's go into fees because that's something, you know, everybody is thinking about. And Lucy is actually saying, I've been quoted £3,000 for advice uh, and when spoken for a 15-minute free session, sell the products they're registered with. So it would be super helpful to have some sort of a benchmark. I know some firms in London are charging huge like percentages um, in terms in terms of fees. People don't necessarily look into it. And we know that fees is, you know, eroding returns over time. So it's really important to know, you know, what, what you're paying for. So if you can give us an overview of, of the industry and the different um, ways maybe to work with an advisor and how it's priced. Yeah, absolutely. So really, I think there's three ways in which advisors will be paid. Um, one is fixed fee. So the advisor and you will agree what the job is, what the service is. So this could be something like setting up a pension or some tax advice, and you agree a set price for that work. Now, I think this is actually a really great way of getting a sense of, is this an advisor I could work with? Do I like the quality of their work? Um, sort of as an entry entry point with no ongoing fees. Um, the second way is percentage of assets. And this is typical where you've invested some money and are probably planning on adding to that pot over time. So that would be, for example, some investment ISIS or funds um, or a pension, which effectively is an investment fund. And that advisor will manage your investment portfolio over the longer term. Um, there's different levels. So between half a percent and probably 1.2% would be the charge on that. Um, again, if it was a tracking fund or something simpler for the advisor to manage, I would expect that fee to be less um, and not at the high end. Um, in terms of the third way, this is hourly rate. Typical hourly rates for an advisor is about 150 to 300 pounds an hour. Um, that's not as common as you might imagine. People do generally go for the fixed fee because it means they're not signing sort of an open checkbook. And I know we all like to know what are we paying and what are we getting for it? Um, at the point that you're asking a financial advisor um, to, to work with you, absolutely ask all about fees. What are the upfront fees? Are there any ongoing fees? Are there any one-off fees? Are there fees for transactions? Get a real sense of over a year, what is the service and what am I going to be charged for? And then ask, how does that compare with the market? And don't hesitate to go and speak to two advisors and uh, see what they say. And if one's massively high and one's lower, why are you so high? Do you provide more of a service? Why are you low? What do you do for that, that money? Same as you would when you're asking anyone to do a piece of work for you, whether that's a solicitor doing some conveyancing or a dentist, you know, you would ask what's the bill and then you would ask more questions around what is this. Um, we do have on the unbiased website some different scenarios to give people a sense. So as I said earlier, £500 to set up an investment ISA 
right up to about £5,000 for uh, half a million uh, of pension pots to be consolidated at the point of retirement. And there's a whole sort of list in between there of different things you can do in different price points, just to really give people a sense of what it costs for that advice. Thank you. I think that's super helpful to have some sort of an idea because often people will come to us and say, you know, we've been working with this advisor historically because maybe, you know, that was family or that was maybe my, my partner working with this advisor. But I realized they're charging me maybe 5% of the, of the, you know, the money they're managing for me. What do you do in this case? Like, how do you, you know, maybe break up with an advisor, realize, wow, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm paying too much. I, did, I didn't realize Well, first of all, start and talk to the advisor, try and negotiate. I know that people do say, you know, negotiate and say, well, actually, that's a lot. I love that. Negotiate and ask for to pay less or is there a payment plan or how can they structure it differently to better reflect um, your circumstances and the work that you need to be done uh, doing. Um, in terms of if you want to change advisors, either give the feedback to the advisor if they're unable to change Um, or you can, if they are, you can stay with them. And if not, you just change, you move. Um, if you feel confident doing your, it yourself, do that. And if not, move to another financial advisor. There's lots around. Um, there's about 16% of uh, financial advisors are women. You know, it's interesting. I speak to lots of women who have been through you know, difficult times, potentially lots of divorces, and they feel very sort of uh, vulnerable in terms of the information they've got to share and the job they've got to do, find a female financial advisor. They understand, you know, career breaks and divorce and the way that you might be looking at the rest of your life and that financial planning. They are out there, connect with them. Um, you know, plenty of great men out there doing it. I'm just saying that there is an option should you want to uh, go to a, a female advisor, they are in the market and they can help you. Um, but it's got to be right for you. You know, horses for courses, you might get on with one person and someone else might get on with someone else. You're going to be sharing some personal financial information and information about your life and your hopes and aspirations with this person. It, it really does pay to have uh, to work with someone that you feel you're going to get on with. Um, but look, most financial advisors understand that they understand the trepidation that new clients can have in terms of starting the process. Um, and they really should allay any of your fears. And in terms of the money, talk about how they can make money and give you confidence or save you money. And they should be able to be come forth with examples of how their current customers and client base have done just that. Yeah, no, thank you. And, and I, I see a few questions like Karim is asking, you know, if you have ongoing costs, is there a contract you need to terminate if changing, um, if changing advisors? So I guess... It will depend if you if you've worked on you know on a project basis or if you're, they are like your you know recurring like advisor. How do, how does it work if you if you want to change? Yes, so there will have been some terms and conditions that you would have signed up to. These will vary, but it should be quite simple in terms of changing um, your financial advisor and transferring to another one and giving them the uh, control over managing your um, your finances. And I, I know Emma has had a question and also Emily about business financial advice. So can I ask you how you, maybe in the early days of maybe setting up, you know, unbiased and working for yourself, how did you manage this? I mean, for me, I see, you know, I'm separating my, you know, business because it's also a limited company, separate bank account, you know, doing my, my VAT returns, doing, and I have an accountant actually helping me on this side. So would financial advisors be able to, to assist you also on the, on the business side? Yeah, they absolutely can. Um, I remember when I was starting up the business, definitely an accountant was more helpful yeah. in terms of they understand the, you know, the company's house and the bank accounts and what you need to do sort of in terms of the business running. Um, they can often refer you to a financial advisor. Um, but you can also go on the Unbiased website. We have a directory and you can select that you're looking for business advice. Um, I think when you're running a business, you do have personal finances and actually it takes, it's more important to ensure that your personal finances are sorted as well as the business ones. So the two yeah. often overlap. And I really would recommend that people do get financial advice 
at that time. You know, it's not when you're self-employed, it's different to being employed and it has ramifications for pensions, how you pay yourself, um, mortgage rates when you're, a, you, you know, when you're self-employed. So I really do think it pays to have financial advice at that point. Um, for me, it was interesting because I think I got um, worse advice earlier on in my career. Clearly, no money, uh, no experience, lots of Googling, lots of trial and error. <laughs> and now I'm 13 years on. Um, I'm definitely better at identififying what type of advisor I need and, and getting a good quality one. Um, but but you know, get it getting any sort of advice and someone sort of holding your hand and taking you through things that you may not have done before is just worth its weight in gold. Yeah, and, and you completely agree with that. And actually, there's a question from Nancy who said, uh, you know, my in-laws got some really bad investment advice 20 years ago and lost 100K. How do you protect yourself from, from bad investment advice? And, and also Katie last week asked me, you know, are they providing independent advice best matched to my needs or actually are they, you know, affiliated and they are just trying to push product? So, you know, what are the questions to maybe ask yourself or if I'm on unbiased website and I start filtering the um, the advisors, maybe, you know, where do I, do I even start having a feel for, you know, who's the best advisor and then maybe, you know, the requirements, any checks I, I could do uh, before, yeah, before working with them? Absolutely. So um, just to comment on that, I'm really sorry that someone's, you know, got such a, a bad story. That's not common particularly with independent financial advisors. And there is always this co this confusion almost from, I went to a financial advisor. Well, were they in a bank selling you a product? Because it always should be with an independent financial advisor that they are looking at your needs first and foremost. And that might be that you need no product, that you need to be, you know, you've, what you've got's fine. Do X, Y, and Z. You don't need anything new. You don't need anything different. Um, You can find independent financial advisors on um, unbiased. They're all regulated. What most of the people do coming to our site is go through our matching algorithm. And this is where we've written something that collects some information um, from you guys and then connects it with the profile that best matches on the website. Because we're, we're aware that people don't know what they're comparing and don't necessarily know what they're looking for. So the website does that for you. There is also a directory where sort of as if you were going on holiday, you know, you say what where you are and what you'd like and what your advice need is, and then you can browse through the results. Um, but generally, we don't have restricted advisors on the website. So that okay. means that anyone on the website can give you whole of market um, advice for the advice area that you um, are selecting. And that just really means that you should be getting advice that's right for you they don't charge via commission it's fee only which you agree with the advisor which really should allay any fears that you're being sold a product that's not right for the advisor's gain okay so now we're sort of selecting an advisor maybe a short list of um, of advisors i'm picking up the phone i want to speak to them um how do i prepare for maybe this first call maybe the first meeting and i guess I don't want to do that with just one advisor. Maybe I want, as you say, maybe two advisors. Um, so what's what's going to happen to me in these first meetings and how can I get, get ready? Absolutely. So I think the best way to prepare, there's probably two things to think about. One is practically get your paperwork together. Anything that you might have in terms of um, your wages, your savings or any investments or any mortgage payments, anything that you've got, pull it all together. Um, you don't really want to be paying your advisor to do sort of admin. You want them to be thinking yeah. about the advice and setting up the plan for the future for you. And then I think probably more importantly is sort of mentally thinking about what it is you want to achieve. You know, do you need to be, um, have you got a short-term goal? Is it longer term? Are you going in open-minded and you're asking the advisor, I'm here and doing this in my life. Can you advise me on what I should be thinking about and what options I have coming up ahead of me? So that's probably the best way to prepare for the first meeting. Um, I would personally be calling at least two, right? Yeah. Just to get a sense of who, what do they, what are they talking about? What do they offer? Do I get a sense that I like one more than the other? Um, and I've often asked, like, what questions should I ask an advisor? Um, Feel free to ask an advisor anything. It should never feel uncomfortable. It's your money. They're there to help you. 
And I know it might feel daunting, but it's because I think we don't often do this. You know, it's the same as getting a new solicitor or a new dentist. It always feels a little bit um, odd, but they are there to work for you and they should be making you feel comfortable. And I think in terms of any questions, there's four sort of groups. One would be process. So um, what is the process of becoming a customer of yours? Um, There'll be a fact find to fill in. Um, what, What other information do you require from me? I think there's questions around service. So what is the service? How detailed and how much time do you give me or how hands off is it? Um, value. So, of course, talking about the fees and what you get for the fees. Um, clearly, if you're paying more, you want to be getting more of their time and more of their view on your portfolios and your plans, etc. And then I think fourth and probably very importantly is who. Um, when you're speaking on yeah. the phone initially, is that with the advisor that would be looking after you? Or is that someone who's, um, you know, manages customer relations and actually the investment advisor would be someone else? And I'd always urge you to actually speak to the advisor who's going to be managing your money um, and make sure that you get on with them and you're comfortable with what they're saying. Um, and I think really that talks through sort of how best to think about the initial meetings and also then having that conversation and asking the right questions to get a sense of is this for you or not yeah and I love this this preparation phase and I know you have a lot of articles uh, on your website about that but I remember when I set up Vespot and also when I wanted to meet this first advisor while still working in in banking I feel it was like you know, such a big uh, challenge to go to these meetings with advisors because you may end up, you know, depending on where you work, but in London, in the city, sometimes it's like very nice offices and you feel like this is not where, you know, this is not where I belong. It's going to be weird to talk about my finances. And, you know, they started asking me questions, you know, in how much is your husband earning? And you have debt and this and that. And, and I literally wasn't prepared. So I feel maybe any tip is if you're not sure, just book the meeting, go for it, no pressure, <laughs> take it all in, you know, all these questions, write them down. It's just a practice and then you can come back. And I've done that with, you know, tens and, uh, of advisors while building up Vespot because I wanted to understand the process. But don't don't worry. And as you say, Karen, you know, you're, you're the client. Uh, you're here to talk about money. It's like going into, you know, a shop and you don't have to buy anything. You know, you don't have to buy their services. But I think this... This first meeting um, can be overwhelming, <laughs> especially if you're not prepared. It can, but but ladies, have confidence, right? You deserve to have a financial future that gives you the life you want. Please share all information truthfully. If you have debts and costs and outgoings, that way an advisor can help you. Believe me, they've seen it all before. You know, they've, they've been in situations where people have, you know, made decisions that maybe they shouldn't have, etc., they're here to help, right? They really do want you to be on the best path. That's their job. That's what they like doing. They like helping people. And how do you then, you know, build up this relationship? So let's say you've, you know, you've picked an advisor, you started working with your with your advisor, I guess, because money is so personal, you end up sharing a lot of, you know, personal stories, uh, you know, aspirations, goal. And then sometimes it, of course, overlaps with work because you may want to, you know, ask for a higher salary that's going to have an impact on your plan. So how do you sort of nurture this relationship with an advisor and make sure you don't work with the firm and maybe you're, you know, you've been given another advisor or you work with someone more junior or you maybe just manage your finances online? Really, you should invest some time talking to them. And I think that starts from the initial interaction. Is it someone that you feel that you could get on with? Um, I, I'm, uh, I support sort of doing an initial piece of work with an advisor to so have a, a need, you know, setting up some insurance or whatever it might be to get a sense of, can you work with them? But also it is a sort of a slow burn. You know, finances aren't just sorted in a moment. You know, it's only yeah. over time do you know if it's successful. But I think that having someone in your corner is better than not having someone in your corner. Um, and again, I just stress the fact that they are dealing with people like you day in, day out, yet this is the first time you're doing that thing, you know, and we've all been there. The first time I've set up a pension or the first time I took out a mortgage or the first time I needed insurance, et cetera. The first time I went to write a will, you know, with my solicitor. And it's just really interesting that they ask questions that you wouldn't have considered yourself. And that comes from a place of experience. So 
I think give the relationship time, um, you know, try and react to the financial advisor's requests in a timely manner. Um, I know it's difficult because sometimes we don't want to do the life admin that's going to set us up for the future. We'd rather do other things. But I think it really pays off to get sorted and, and to set a plan in place as early as you possibly can in your life and your career, because you're just going to reap the benefits much later on. And even if you're only able to put a little away on a monthly basis, time has such an impact on the size of your portfolio or funds or savings over time that, that there is no better time than now. Yeah, and I love this idea of maybe working with an advisor on maybe, you know, one piece of, I say content, but maybe, you know, one plan, one of see how you feel about that. You're going to be overwhelmed by the amount of information, seeing like maybe your cash flow modeling uh, and then going back. And that's, that's interesting. There's a question about, is it worth getting one of financial advice at different point in time? Or will an advisor um, be able to give you general advice on how to reach a wealth goal rather than just setting up um, specific products? And this is a little bit with one of the questions that, you know, we prepared around for how long do you actually need, you know, an ad a financial advisor? Is it now or forever uh, or, or, you know, what are the best ways to work with advisors? So advisors come into their own when you're dealing with those big financial decisions, those big life decisions. So the short answer is get one now and keep them for life. You know, that would be the <laughs> ideal. Um, they can really help when things inevitably change and work with you through your life as you as those decisions come and as your your earning potential and power grows and as your ambitions grow for sort of you know home children family etc and they're just going to give you that confidence um particularly when say markets are volatile if you were doing it on your own you might think oh i've lost 10 of my portfolio i'm exiting the market and they'll go no 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 we've seen this before Hold your nerve. Now's actually quite a good time to continue to invest because then you're going to reap the benefits on the upswing, etc. Or as many people will know now, interest rates are peaking. Mortgage payments have gone up. How do you navigate that? Um, and it's in those times of need that an advisor that's been with you for the longer term can really come into their own. Having said that, it depends how you want to work. If you just want to have a, a sort of different projects and things that you want to do throughout your life, pay for that. And then the advisor, you know, and, and you can part ways and you can go back again if there's something else you need to do. It's totally up to you and how confident you feel in managing your finances. And let's say you 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 have an advisor that's going to help you, you know, for the coming years. How much time do you need to dedicate to working with uh, with your, your advisor usually on a maybe monthly basis? Yeah, so they would typically set a plan that's going to cover a few years. And normally I'd expect them to check in at least twice a year. So once just, is this happening, et cetera? And once come in again and let's have a chat and see if anything's changed. Typically they'll reach out, well, and particularly in my experience, ahead of the tax year end. Just are you happy with your pension contributions? Have you filled in your ISA? You know, just those sorts of uh, seasonal things that you need to do as a piece of admin. Um, it depends how good you are with your day-to-day -day management in terms of like your budgeting and sticking to the plan. Um, and it also depends how much change there is in your life. You know, have, have you been through a divorce? Have you just had a child? Are you moving home? Have you changed jobs? Anything that's big like that, typically would warrant a check-in with your financial advisor and say, hey, this is happening. Do I need to adjust anything? And the adjustment could be, I can't afford this right now. You know, and your advisor will go, mm, well, don't stop your pension payments. You could decrease them. You know, they'll help you navigate where things aren't going as, as well as they should, as well as when things are improving. I have like a final question and then I see a lot of questions in the, in the chat box and the Q&A, but for you, any red flags uh, to watch out for financial advisors? Uh, like if someone tells you, you know, they're charging that much money or they're doing this or that. So anything where you'd be like, okay, no, I'm not working with them. And actually probably they won't be on your, on your platform. Uh, well, probably they wouldn't be. Um, but yeah, gut feel. If something seems off, if it looks like mm, this website looks odd or the spelling problems or I haven't found them on the SCA register, Immediately, get out of there, right? Only when you have checked it, checked the person out and feel really comfortable with them, would I proceed? 
Um, I don't I don't like this question in terms of, you know, red flags, etc. <laughs> the general the general financial advisor population is there to help. Um, but I know that scams and trust is a big issue in financial mm-hmm. services. So it pays to do your homework, check to see they're regulated, check that they're on the unbiased website, ask to speak to the existing clients, contact them yourself, find their number and ring them up, have a good conversation with them and make sure that you feel they're saying the right things that you, you that resonate with you. Um, and yeah, that's that would be my advice for ensuring there's no red flags you. and that you're not walking yeah. into something that you don't want to be in. Unbiased is very easy to use. So you have filters, you see the advisors, you can very quickly do your research. Robin is actually asking, do you do you have a filter for female advisors? Yes, on, yes, we on, do. On, on, the, on yeah? the directory, you can select whether you want a female advisor um, or not. A question from Hannah, uh, and I see also another one. Um, let, I'll find you the, the other question. But what is the difference between a tax accountant who would help you prepare a tax return and a financial advisor for tax? Are they the same or different? Yeah, I think they're slightly different. So one is definitely an accountant's job, really, in terms of doing your um, tax return or self-assessment return. In terms of the tax advice that a financial advisor can give you, that's much more focused around um, maximizing tax benefits with regards to sort of savings and investments. So things like ISAs and also inheritance tax, the use of trusts, um, things that are more personal in terms of your, your tax, uh, you know, your, what you hold and the tax you, you pay on it. And the question from Amy, um, that's quite interesting. So Amy's saying, I have some maybe misplaced confidence <laughs> in investing in small amounts. Uh, so talking about maybe lifetime ISA, stock center ISA, uh, but I would like an advisor to look at my pension. I've done the work of consolidating my pots. So when do you recommend someone seeks pension advice rather than just trust the workplace uh, pension schemes they're in? Or is that an impossible question uh, to answer? So usually when I have my Vespot guidance hub, we start looking at um, retirement calculators and all the things you can do, but we know it's not, you know, it's not going to be perfect if you do it on your own. So at which stage do you seek um, advice specifically on pensions? Really just when you feel you need to. I mean, it sounds like um, the, the person who posed the question has started off really well, getting involved with doing some investments and making some choices and learning from that and also consolidating pensions. I think that actually when someone feels the need for advice is when the wealth has grown to such a level that they feel that they need a second opinion, just say, yeah, you are doing the right thing. Or it's grown to such a level that you don't want to lose any of it. It's now meaningful and important. And it would be um, awful if you were to lose a certain percentage of the wealth that you've worked really, really hard to build up. Um, I think that you learn a lot by doing it yourself. And, you know, people often ask, well, you know, should I go to an advisor or not? Do something, right? Doing something is better than nothing. And I absolutely encourage everyone to start their savings and investments and pension pots. And when they get to a certain level, I think there was some research done um, in Australia that when pension pots get to sort of £15,000 plus, people go, oh, this is really meaningful. I'm interested in this. And actually the ability for it to increase over time and compound is quite large. So now I do want someone to give me that second opinion. Yeah, I think it's making sure you have enough money for when you retire. And, and you know, when we run our boot camp, often people check these calculators and they realize, wow, I need actually such a big pot of money to be able to retire comfortably. So I guess getting you know, the assurance from a financial advisor that you're on track if you start saving X amount of money, um, I think that's quite a big relief and having maybe this, you know, accountability partner also uh, to start building up wealth. Of course. And if you're not on track, an advisor can give you solutions to how to get on track. And I think it's really interesting. We did a focus group with some, I think they were about 60 year olds um, at the point of retirement and none of them sought advice. And it was just really stuck with me that because of the barriers of the payment and feeling that imposter syndrome, they hadn't sought advice and they'd been making some pretty big decisions around annuity purchase and things like that, that actually couldn't be undone and would be in place for sort of 10, 20, 30 years until the end of their lives. And they'd made that decision. And I just think, look, the options were check in with an advisor and see, am I doing the right thing? 
or go it alone and potentially make some big mistakes. And I would just always say, have a conversation with a financial advisor. You could well be making the right choices, but it pays to have a second opinion when the the, the wealth, you know, the, the pot of money that you've worked hard all your life to achieve is, is at risk in terms of the decision you make. Yeah, and maybe a one-off consultation or something, and you can already start to gather some answers. And, and Bessan is actually asking, the difference between a wealth manager and an IFA um, with investment, who is best placed to give investment advice in the industry? Are IFA specialists enough? Or do you have a filter of ESG specialists also on unbiased? So they're pretty similar. An IFA can give advice on all the products in the market and a wealth manager can uh, manage investments. And they're more like a stockbroker. You know, they'll choose yeah. the funds and the investments that you should be looking at. If you're just focused on investments, either an IFA or a wealth manager can do a fantastic job for you. There's two questions from Helen and, and Karim around maybe living in one country uh, or moving somewhere else. I know that's like a consideration many people have where you're like, oh, I'm not saving today because I may move out of the UK, may come back later. So do you need two advisors Well, when you live and one where you know, you've been saving money? How does it work? Because that, that can be quite a complicated uh, topic. It is complicated. And I would probably suggest, yes, one advisor in each area. Um, via the website uh, Unbiased, you can find expatriate advice, which is what okay. it's called. And you can select whether it's Europe or uh, the rest of the world. Um, it is important that you get an advisor who works in the country that you are mm -hmm working or living in. The yeah. regulatory regimes, the tax regimes, the rules around limits, pensions, etc., are all quite specific. And there's also rules between countries in terms of how income and wealth is seen in terms of tax regimes. So it's quite important to get specific advisors who understand both, for example, the UK and Spain, if you're in Spain, or the US and the UK, if those are your two, two countries. I see two more questions. So Lucy is asking if you're looking at investing or pensions of only about 200 pounds a month. I mean, that's already a good amount. No, good, good work. <laughs> would you would you uh, would you advise advise where to go? Would I advise? <laughs> yeah, I could, but I won't. I don't want to be giving financial advice. Um, typically, I mean, go online. There's lots of funds out there. There's sort of tracking funds. Um, you know, there's providers such as sort of Vanguard, um, Hargreaves Lansdowne that will give you good advice on how to set up um, a fund that you would put that money into. Um, I'm talking about a fund because you want to spread where that £200 is going into different investments to ensure that you're not hurt by changes in the market if you're in only one, one company or, or one stock. Um, so that's a fantastic amount for regular savings. Speak to an advisor. They can advise you. And also, you know, on Vespod, we do a lot of this, like getting started, where to start investing. So any platforms, robo-advisors, um, really it's now super, I mean, I say easy because technically it's easy. Then you need to overcome maybe confidence, understanding the dragon. But you can start investing this £200 now, set up an investment account. The platform will pick your funds for you. So really, um, really, you know, we can help on that. And this is really guidance. And then if you feel like, you know, you'll start to build up this pot, then yeah, definitely an advisor. Um, Bethan is asking, so maybe we'll take one last question. Is this worth looking for years experience when deciding on an IFA? If so, how many years would you recommend? I think that's quite an interesting question. Typically, someone with more experience has seen more of sort of the ups and downs of the market. Um, having said that, I've seen some really new entrants into firms who, you know, if you're younger, they really, you know, are your type of person. And it feels like, you know, they understand where you are, they're going through it themselves. And that feels great. And of course, they'll always have the oversight of the more experienced people in the business, no one's going to be going off on their own, you know, things get checked, and reviewed, and there's processes in place. So you choose an advisor that's best for you. Typically, an advisory firm will have a mix of sort of older, more experienced, because they've been around longer, and younger people who have interests in different things. So 
choose the advisor that's right for you. I would imagine the firm structure supports the right process. And you'll see, like we've we, we've been working together, Karen, with uh, with advisors on the Wallet podcast, on like this podcast series. And you see some of these advisors, young, not that young, but you know, all have like such a amazing like personal also experiences in the space. Maybe quick question from Sarah is pen. That's that's more like uh, a question maybe for an advisor, but is pension task tax rate different to salary tax? Yes, yes, it is. And the way that you can get money back from the government uh, for paying into pensions is different. So absolutely, either search up on Unbiased. Um, there's content uh, around that, and it explains to you what the rates of tax are on your wages versus the uh, taxable amounts on pensions for both when you're paying in and when you're withdrawing down on a pension. And also, I just want to say there is a calculator on Unbiased, the cost of advice yeah. calculator, where you can put in actual amounts for what you're wanting to do, potentially, and it will tell you a bespoke number for the typical type of a fee that an advisor would um, charge you, which I just think is a great resource. And the last one would be, um, if you Google unbiased, what to ask a financial advisor, it should come up with our checklist that goes through all the questions that I've talked about, what you should do first meeting, how you can check to see your advisor is regulated, and just really ask questions around fees and service and all that stuff to just make sure that you're comfortable proceeding if you get that, to that point. For me, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to ask you, Karen, what is maybe the one takeaway, the one thing that, you know, people could, could do today before we close this session? I'm just hugely impressed that you're interested in this and going to take action. So everyone who participated, if I could say there's one thing I'd like you to do is connect with a financial advisor and have that initial conversation. You don't need to proceed, but you'll gather information that you'll find helpful and informative. And it may be that if you're not ready to go now, you know what the process will be when you are finally ready to take that step. And I just wish you all the best in planning your finances and doing all those big things in your lives that you want to sort your finances out for. Thanks, Karen. Uh, it's been amazing to have you. We are, you know, very lucky. Thanks for answering all these questions. And I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll have more. Uh, everyone remember you're the customer. It's, it's, it's your money, just like any other service, as Karen said, you know, compare, negotiate and, and make sure it's like an, a process that you actually um, enjoy. So Karen, a big round of applause for you. And thank you so much for, for, for joining me today. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Wallet. We understand that discussing money can often be viewed as taboo, but we strongly believe in the value of sharing knowledge with friends as a meaningful way to give back. Be sure to click and follow The Wallet on your preferred podcast platform so that you don't miss next episode 6, which will be airing next Thursday. In this episode, we'll talk about inheritance and protecting your money. If you enjoyed our show, we would greatly appreciate your support by leaving a 5-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.